This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Happy New Year to everybody. I can't believe it's 2023 and time is just marching on. We'll talk about a river that flows. Have a very inspiring story today and an inspiring guest, uh, an author of a very touching book, very gripping. It's called Daddy's Girl. And the author is Michael Schneebel. And I just was so touched by this book. It's a memoir. So I wanted to have him on. And Michael, welcome to the family. Thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me on your program. I um, really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be here, to be honest with you. Will you talk about who you were and what you were doing before all this started? Um, I worked for a pharmaceutical company for over 30 years. Uh, and in that, uh, I was I started out in sales and went into management and then got involved in the home office. And so I had a, a variety of jobs. Um, it was a very rewarding career. Uh, the people that we helped. And um, uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed is when I went into training and, and helping teach people. So uh, I retired about, um, I guess I tried retired, retired about 13 years ago. And um, we live in the country. I have a small tree farm that we kind of manage out here. So I keep busy with that. And then uh, with challenging my writing skills. Did you ever think you were going to be a writer and write such a moving uh, piece? Um, you know what? I always had in the back of my mind that uh, I wanted to try writing. When I got into training, we were uh, I was part of a small group that was in charge of uh, overseeing the representative training, but really developing a lot of programs for our managers for their ongoing uh uh, education and to build their skill set and such. And doing that, we wrote a lot of proposals. We wrote a lot of um, presentations. And that allowed me to start, you know, trying to do the writing. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, so when um, uh, my, in my retirement, I kind of planned on writing a book about sales. And I actually are, am into that right now. But uh, then my daughter uh, ran into this crisis and uh, everything kind of changed. And what made you decide to tell the story and commit it to paper? It was rather, rather simple, actually. Um, the backstory is that my daughter, uh, at 27 years old, uh, gave birth to her first child, her only child. And then two weeks later, found out that she had um, an unusual type of aggressive colon cancer and that um, the chances of her living were very small. Uh, her fear was not of dying so much her fear was that this child that she just gave birth to would not have a mom and so she was afraid that he'd only know her through pictures when he she told me that it motivated me as her dad to try and do something about it i mean as parents that's what you do you know you try and help your kids no matter what and so i started to uh journal uh what we were going through what we were dealing with uh, for her grandson. So when he grew up, I, I would try to capture his mother's strength and courage and, um, you know, her essence, basically, so he could know her if he didn't have a chance to know her. What went through your heart when you found out about her diagnosis as a father? 
I can't imagine anything worse than outliving your child. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's really odd because it was a roller coaster that we were on. We had this our first grandchild that was born, and we had the elation, the high that went with that, and then to find out that we were, we could lose our daughter. Uh, the statistics said that she had an eight percent chance of living five years, and so we were we were in shock when we found out about it. And we, uh, uh, as a family, uh, we're a very close family, and we, I have had experience in the medical world with my working with physicians all my life. My wife is an RN, and she's had the same experience. But I'll be honest with you, we just didn't know what to do. We were just in shock. And slowly we started kind of putting things together. But um, the, the two hours after we uh, found out that she had this cancer, we were talking to a surgeon who wanted to do uh, surgery the next morning. And um, we spent two hours with him. He was very kind, very gentle with us and really helped us to go ahead and move forward. But we started making decisions quickly and we felt that most of the decisions we were making could either be result in life or death. And so it was extremely difficult. The, the hardest thing I think that night was um, after we had met with a surgeon and the surgery was scheduled and, and a few hours later that um, my daughter asked me point blank, dad, am I going to die? And uh, that was incredibly emotional for both of us. And I struggled on what to say. And I told her the truth. I told her, I really don't know. And that haunted me for an awful long time because I didn't know if I should, you know, tell her, oh, yeah, you're going to win and try and boost her confidence and things like that. But my daughter and I have always been very, very close. And um, as that haunted me, she told me I did the right thing. She says, Dad, you've always been honest with me. And because of that, I trust you in everything that we do. Well, and you don't know. None of us know what tomorrow brings. So I think there was an integrity in that, right? I mean, at least you 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 were honest with her because you loved her. She deserved the truth. When you step away from a moment like that, you're not trying to be brave in front of her, how, how, did you just crumble? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, many times. <laughs> it um, You, you uh, try to be, you try to be brave. You try to keep moving forward. And yet there's times that it, everything just overtakes you. And uh, there were times that we were all hanging by a thread. It, it wasn't just me. Uh, Colleen, uh, my wife, Colleen, um, Stephanie's husband, Mark, uh, the three of us formed a team that night because we were sitting there in shock. And uh, from my business experience, I really knew that it wasn't good to sit around and to uh, wallow around in the problem. You have to go ahead and start moving forward and trying to overcome the problem. And so I talked to everyone, to my, to my family, and said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and do everything that we can to get you the best doctors, the best hospitals, and do everything that we can to save your life. We're not going to give up. We're going to stand with you. We're going to go ahead and be with you all the time. You will never be alone. And that's what we did. And that family came together with that two-week-old baby. And uh, it was amazing because sometimes that baby was the strongest part of the team. Because we, the baby, he provided an oasis for us to escape. But more importantly, he provided a reason for my daughter 
to look beyond herself and beyond uh, just saving her own life, but to go ahead and to live her live her life and, and save her life to be with her child and be, have give him a mom. And I think that's so important when we think about, you know, trying to be resilient and trying to move forward with things. If we can identify something beyond ourselves, I think it really helps us uh, continue to try. And talk about a radical juxtaposition of life and death on the edge right there. New life and life struggling to exist. It, w- it was a challenge. How did she cope? I mean, she's young. She has this baby. And then she's, you know, you have a 90% chance of not making it. Did, I bet you saw sides of her in a beautiful way that you never knew she had this kind of strength. Uh, You're exactly right. I had no idea that she was as strong as she was, nor did she. And I think because she focused on that child and uh, um, being uh, there for that child and the fact that she had this high chance of dying, she tried to make the best out of every minute that she had. She really tried to focus on um, being with the child and doing all the care that she could as we got into surgery and to chemo and other things, she became weaker and wasn't able to do that. But I would tell you that, um, you know, people ask us how we did it, uh, how we got through it all. And oftentimes it was her because her strength, because of her attitude, because of her willingness to do anything. You know, some people that come down with disease start fighting it and they don't try to uh, do everything that they're told to do and and such. She always went with the most aggressive treatments. She always went with the, it was easy decisions for her. She had to go ahead and stack anything on her side that she could, could. So as we got these experts and they wanted to do things, she did it with a smile and she did it with the right attitude. Now there were days that she was down. We all were struggling from days, but, she consistently was the one that gave us strength. And uh, like I said, the, the child really kind of gave us an escape. Were there ever times where you just thought she's not going to make it? Um, to be very honest with you, no. We knew it was reality. But my wife and I and my son-in-law really believed that we were going to make a difference in her life. And I think part of that was we really couldn't live with the fact that we weren't, she wasn't going to live. It was, it was easier for us just to go ahead and believe. And it's funny because we had so many close people around us that were supportive, family members, friends and such. But when she was cured and when she was uh, found cancer free, I was really surprised because we found out that no one around us thought that she would live. Everyone knew the chances were just too high. And most of them really were more concerned about us and how they were going to help us afterwards. Having gone through it, how important is that mindset? It's almost like the mind is so powerful. If you think you're going to make it, it almost gives you the 95% chance that you will. And if you think you won't, you won't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the attitude is critical. And that's why it, it helped us so much for Stephanie to be so positive and to continue to believe that she was good. Uh, going to go ahead and survive. And and part of that, I mean, we, we put things in motion. We put, uh, we, we our team came up with an action plan to go ahead and move forward. So we were always focused on the next steps. We were always focused on moving forward. It was never 
sitting there and wallowing in the pity and, and the uh, uh, stress and everything. We all dealt with it in different ways. We all struggled with it, but uh, just continuing to try and move forward helped us an awful lot. And, you know, we had to have hope and we had to provide hope for each other. And so we uh, to believe it, uh, made it made a very big difference. Looking back now, how has it changed the way you have moved through the world since? Well, I would tell you that none of us really take life for granted. And uh, you get that close to it. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, we've got another day together. We've got another week together. We've got another. And you so so you really focus in on the love and the relationships that you have. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we are a very close family. And uh, we continue to be a very close family. This did nothing more than cement it. And um, and because of that strength, you know, we had uh, three adults and a child, uh, four adults with Stephanie. And uh, each of us took leadership roles at different times. So if one of us was really struggling and couldn't deal with something, the others would step up and take care of it. But uh, the biggest thing I think that um, that we learned was the importance of standing by standing beside someone and helping them because we've all been up against a bully we've all been up against situations that we felt alone and we didn't know how it was going to do and we had the fear and the anxiety and the worry that that surrounds that and the importance of having someone just go ahead and stand beside you and say hey i'm here for you you and i are going to do this together is huge and it makes all the difference in the world and so i think that our team that we formed, this team of five, really was self-sufficient in many ways as far as helping each other through this process because of our love for each other and, and our faith. Uh, our faith was very strong. Our faith was <laughs> stronger than I ever thought it would ever be. I would imagine you became way more spiritual because you're on the edge there and there's nothing like the gratitude and, and fully realizing how precious every moment is. It's so cliche to say that, but most of us sleepwalk through so much of our lives until we're like jolted by a crisis. I think that the great hack to be here for our five minutes is to not have the crisis, but realize, wow, I woke up today and oh my God, I have something to eat. I have something to drink. I have friends. Look at the bees, the bird, everything, you name it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, in my life, um, uh, I, I talk about faith. It's funny because I was raised in the Lutheran faith. And uh, when I got married to my wife, um, she was a very strong Catholic and she had two uncles that were priests. And so I've always believed that um, my faith was based on my individual relationship with God more than the building I walked into. So I went ahead and transformed to Catholicism. And then uh, I found out later in life that um, really I got much more out of my individual discussions with God and prayers and, and that type of thing than I did out of going to a lot of services. And I think they do, organized religion can do so many wonderful things and help so many people. And I'm not cutting it down at all. It's just that for me as an individual, I always, even as a child, got more out of uh, my uh, relationship with God by talking to him. And I start every morning with that. I usually get up before the house is, uh, gets noisy and um, uh, do a little meditation, uh, do my prayers, uh, read something that's uh, spiritual, that's uh, uplifting, and it just sets my day. It's ineffable, isn't it? It's just this omnipotent 
I feel intelligence and love. And while I can never understand it or even know it, I can experience it and swim in it. Yeah, I agree with you. And and as I said, we were really surprised how strong our faith was as a family because uh, we never got angry with God. Never, Stephanie never said, why is this happening to me? Why isn't it happening to someone else? This isn't fair. But we 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 always feel like there is a God and 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 He helps us when we need it and He uh, helps guide us and we're here to learn you know and we're here to go ahead and strengthen our souls through these things that we go through but we didn't know what to learn from this for a long time we just um, we were just trying to get through it and such but then God started coming through for us and um, we had things that happened with Stephanie that um we just felt god gave gave to us when things were the darkest it always turned around and became the best scenario that it could and really with that kind of belief and faith even if she had died it would have been all right that would have been a different type of gift well i don't i don't know that i'm in a place to say it would have been all right <laughs> uh but uh yes uh we we've lost other uh, close people in our family and there is um certainly a sense of peace that you get when you feel that they're going to something better how do you feel about your own impending mortality you know i really don't think about my mortality very much you know i mentioned my prayers my my prayers are very simple they're thank you prayers i've been very blessed in this world and um uh i've had i've had a lot of love i've had a lot of good things happen in my life and so i feel like um I'm on for the ride and as long as it lasts, lasts and we're, you know, go from there. So I, I just don't really focus too much on the end. Yeah. Either, either way it's coming. So you might as well enjoy the now, right? And it's usually a surprise. Hopefully it'll be peaceful too. I like just fall asleep. And my friend, I was with friends, longtime friends, lifelong friends over the weekend. And sadly, my friend's father had died, but he just didn't feel well. He sat down in a chair and died. And I thought, oh, wow, I want to go like that. How is she doing? And how is the young man she gave birth to? You know, my daughter's doing great. Uh, she's now 16 years cancer-free. Um, she is um, uh, she's active. She is, uh, my, my grandson is um, a very good soccer player. He plays at the national level. And uh, so both my daughter and her husband are very involved in his soccer. They do a lot of traveling. Um, she also uh, practice teaches, or she substitute teaches, excuse me. Um, uh, she was a teacher before this happened, and then she went back to it and as a sub, so she can be a little more in control of her schedule and such. And But she's doing well. She's got a great attitude. She's happy. She's. Um, uh, we were over here yesterday. We watch football games together. We're, we're a very close family. We talk to our daughter probably two, three times a day. And, uh, but she's happy with life and she doesn't take it for granted. And she's, um, she spent a lot of her time during her illness and then afterwards trying to help others uh, as far as uh, speaking for the uh, American Cancer Society and for our local hospital here that helped us, uh, the University of Kansas University. Um, and uh, she's, she, she loves to give back. And so she's a, she's a helper. My grandson is doing well. He's uh, he's a he's mature beyond his years, and I kind of go back to her illness for that because this child was being raised by um, 
his mom and dad, but also by his grandparents. And so he got very used to an adult world. And uh, we were moving from hotels to hospitals to, you know, we were always on the move for a long time. And uh, he just rolled with the punches. This, this baby was just a perfect baby and always happy, always uh, loving and uh, went to all of us. And it just was uh, amazing. And he's continued that through his life. He's always been more mature than his age. And he's one of these kids that um, continues to surprise you. Uh, he came over and, you know, he's 16 and he's got his life laid out for himself. He knows what he wants to try and accomplish. He knows what he wants to do. And just like his soccer, he works hard to achieve goals and to work on these things. And uh, uh, my biggest uh, issue is to make sure he's still having fun with everything. He's, he gets awful serious about things sometimes. <laughs> I bet you guys are incredibly close. We are. Yeah, we are. It's um, we, you know, it's it's a lot more difficult to raise a child when you're in your fifties than it is when you're in your twenties. Uh, but even getting up in the middle of the night, because quite frankly, my daughter couldn't a lot because of her illness. Uh, my my son-in-law, who's a fantastic person and just a wonderful man was working he's an architect and he'd get on uh he'd get on uh schedules that he had to keep and sometimes work 24-hour days and things like that so my wife and i filled in a lot which was just really a labor of love and uh, to get up in the, with that child in the middle of the night and uh, uh see him smiling and loving and holding him was just like i said there were so many times that he got us through the, the toughest days but um yeah we're very very close what words of wisdom would you give for anyone who finds the show and is listening and they're going through it now with somebody in their family or even the person who has cancer? I've lost count of how many of my friends in the last couple of years have had major cancer. Thank God all of them have made it, but it's I, I, maybe it's a stage of life, but of all ages too. What we found was helpful. I don't know that I can give advice other than the things that worked for us. What we found was helpful was to go ahead and create a team. And the team has to be special people in your life, people that will stand with you, that will not walk away, that will love you and, and help you and be committed, because that's so incredibly important to have someone standing next to you and helping. We formed a team and then we came up with some plans and we would draw it help. In my, in my business, I was always developing business plans and helping others. And so that's what we did. We developed a plan, our goals. You know, in the beginning, it was to find the right physicians, the right uh, clinical um, locations, the research centers that could help us because she had an unusual uh, type of uh, colon cancer. And it's something that's usually only seen in textbooks. And so we wanted a cutting edge group of physicians that would be able to help us. Um, and I think the more significant or unusual your disease is, the more important it is to get to a research center because they've got the cutting edge materials. They may have access to drugs that uh, are still in studies and things like that. And so you have to find the doctors with the right fit. You have to find the medical center with the right fit. And so we put together action plans to, to help us to go ahead and achieve that. And we, fortunately, because of our jobs, we um, I could tap into my pharmaceutical company who had an oncology division. We talked to other physicians frequently uh, that, were, that we know that are friends and that we knew through other uh, ways. 
and uh, you just start looking for people to help you. When I learned a long time ago, if you don't know what to do, the shortest answer is to go ahead and find somebody that's done it before and try and follow their example or at least learn from them. It can go ahead and put you on a much faster track. And so that's part of it is the action part of it. The other part is the personal part. My daughter owned her disease. And by that, I mean, she tried to find out everything that she could. We didn't get on the internet because we were scared to see what we found, what we would find and, uh, and that type of thing. But we, she, when she went through chemo, I mean, she knew everything about the drugs, the side effects, how things were going, the, uh, chemo nurses, which we got, who we really got very close to, uh, kept saying, you know, you're the only person that asks all these questions. Most people just come in here and they want to get the chemo and leave. And uh, but but my daughter wanted to find anything that she could to go ahead and improve her chances. And so she had this attitude of belief and of fighting that took her from a victim to a warrior. You know, she and, and it, had, it was a slow process. Uh, it didn't happen overnight, but she just started learning that uh, the more positive she was, uh, the better off she, that she was she started learning that um, uh, her faith in God, that it was so important to go ahead and to um, just try to believe that, have the hope to believe that everything was going to be taken care of and somehow you would find your way through it. So my, my, my I guess my advice to other people would be to form a team around you to go ahead and to be the strongest member of that team when you can and to let the other people hold you up when you can't and to never give up to keep fighting and like i said earlier i think that the child made a huge difference in her fight because not only did she want to live for her husband and her parents and to live her life she was so young but this child was the impetus for her to always stay stronger, to always try harder, because she just couldn't deal with the fact that he wouldn't know her or that he didn't have a mother growing up. Well, it's often said there's nothing stronger than a mother's love. I think she showed it, right? You don't get between a mother and her and her baby cub. I love the team aspect, too, because it's so holistic. It's not just the medical. It's all the other aspects of the human being, the spiritual, the emotional the practical we that's exactly right we so often we helped each other and uh uh found solace in each other but we had other people that helped us too we had um we had a psychiatrist that helped us um and she helped put things in perspective for us and she was a family friend uh, her husband and i worked together and um uh later on through our ordeal uh she would come to the house and she would you know who says doctors don't make house calls anymore <laughs> we had pediatricians come into our house we had uh, the psychiatrist coming to our house and it was just just such a loving situation but um later on she discovered she had breast cancer and uh stephanie helped her and helped her by finding helping her find the right doctors but more importantly giving her an example on how to go ahead and go through this and so it's, we were very fortunate. Like I say, God provided us everything that we needed. We didn't see it at times. Uh, and oftentimes you don't, you know, a rear view mirror is pretty interesting to look through in your life and to understand things a little bit more clearly. So um, we, we were very fortunate.
One of the main things you said too is not to be a victim, that she took charge and claimed her power. I hear that often with people that have come through this and healed and stayed strong. I think that's a very key component. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And I learned that through my business that, you know, things would go wrong and everybody stood around and, and uh, uh, complained and whined and whatever. And, and that's a natural process. Everybody does it. And we did it too. We cried. We, we felt sorry for ourselves. We, there were days that we could hardly get out of bed. And yet we knew that we couldn't stay there. We knew that we, the action, the action of moving forward, the action of just putting together a plan makes you feel better. It gives you hope. It feels like, well, if we do these things, I think we can accomplish this. And uh, so we're all victims from time to time. We just can't stay in that position. You need to go ahead and move on. You need to start taking action. And you just named another key component. I think you have to feel everything or you'll end up with cancer because you internalized everything. You felt it, but you didn't let it dominate or take you over. I agree. Um, we dealt with stress consistently for over three years and, uh, it was a daily thing. And, uh, at times it was overwhelming. I mean, there were times that we just held each other and cried. And, uh, there were other times though, we, we learned to try and move out of that by celebrating anything that was positive. And it was silly at times because, uh, my daughter's last name is file. And uh, it's uh, P-F-E-I-L, so a lot of people mispronounce it. And so when we'd be checking into a clinic or checking into an office or to a hospital, if they would pronounce her name right, we all smiled. And we all thought, it's going to be a good day, it's a good sign. And so little things like that, anything that happened, if she had, uh, if she went through chemo and she didn't get sick that day, we celebrated it. And uh, it was small things, but it was plans also. In the beginning, you know, I learned the importance of motivation when I had sales reps. Uh, we used to have a trip, a yearly trip that they would give away to the top person. And I knew how motivating that was. And so I had traveled a lot in my career and we had points and hotels and such. And so that's one of the things that we said right away that first night to my daughter and her husband. We're going to send you on the trip of a lifetime. You can go anywhere in the world you want to, and we're going to take care of it. We need to get you well first, but you've got that to look forward to. And so when you have these goals and these rewards to look forward to, and you do this step, you know, sometimes we took baby steps, and sometimes it was two forward and one back. Sometimes it was two back and one forward. But anytime we move forward, we try to celebrate it. And we try to be positive about it. And it was little things. It was getting uh, Stephanie her favorite movies. It would be, uh, you know, making her favorite food, doing anything that we could to go ahead and be positive and to uh, just keep plugging away at it. I bet you found aspects and elements in yourself that you didn't know existed that rose to the surface. I was surprised how strong we were. Uh, the biggest surprise was our was our faith, to be honest with you. Um, because when, when we all believed in God, we all knew that we were here for a reason and, and that we were going to be facing obstacles and such. But we really believed that um, uh, things were going to go ahead and move forward. And then God's just started coming through with, with time and time again with the best possible scenario, starting out with that surgeon that we, we spoke to. And, and he was just suggested to us. And we didn't know, okay, is this the person, you know, that's going to save her life or is this person that's not? And when we talked with him, 
he talked about the importance of um uh he was going to do everything that he could but there were like three or four different scenarios that he could walk into you know after looking at the x-rays and, and the information that he had and one of them was just sewing her back up and there wasn't anything that we could do and to hear things like that it's like wow so we had to go ahead and move beyond that stuff and just try to um, uh, believe in, in in our faith. But yeah, we we dealt with a lot of stress. We tried to do as much as we could against it. But there are a lot of times we just held each other and and our strong love was was um, incredible and just grew as we were together. Does her son have to like get special screenings or be on the lookout for anything? Is it a genetic thing you got to be aware of or is it just a fluke? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, we went ahead and did genetic testing on Stephanie. Several of the physicians had asked us to do that, so we did. And we found out it was not familial. It it, it was probably a um, a freak gene, uh, you know, just something that uh, a mutant gene that uh, we all have, and most of them don't ever do anything, but this was a mutant gene. They thought that she probably started growing these polyps uh, when she was a teenager. Uh, because when they went in and did the scope, um, there were, she'd had seven, uh, hospital, um, she'd gone to the hospital seven times during her pregnancy, uh, starting in the uh, second trimester. And, uh, they didn't know what was going on. Unfortunately, all the testing was invasive and they really couldn't go find out. So we just tried to deal with it as well as we could. And the GI doc we were going to how, you know, he was a very good doctor, but he, really didn't believe that she had cancer and so he was treating her in different ways so when we i'm sorry I, I'm, I'm getting into my discussion here and i'm losing your your original question i apologize no no just go with your flow we learned that we had to go ahead and keep moving forward and we had to believe in something and so that's why we focused on what could happen and uh what was what we believed was going to happen with this physician we took we 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 thought how do we make this decision we asked him to leave the room and so there was a nurse that had been close to us through the ordeal and and we asked her you've seen this doctor if you're not if you don't feel comfortable with it with answering our questions that's fine but we need to know more if we can find out more and so we asked her you see him you work on the surgical floor every day how do his patients do would you take your child to him and she was very positive about him and said yes so then we asked her to leave the room uh, my wife worked for a group of physicians she was head nurse for six pediatricians one of them had been the medical director at that uh, hospital we called him and asked him about it and so we learned to go ahead and use our resources as well as we could and then just kept moving forward and this doctor did an ex exceptional job with her the next day and removed the colon and uh, did it in a way that uh, was most comfortable for her and that she could live a much more normal life and um, then we started the process of finding other people and such and we just kept getting the resources that we needed and i think god was a big part of that do you want to just spread this message so other people will perhaps find a little hope maybe in their dark moments that since you were blessed that stephanie lived that it's almost a sense of uh i guess like a mission a calling uh a ministry to take these beautiful truths, what you learn, this love, this story of love and faith, and hopefully touch others. So maybe even if you help one person, your struggles, your pain wasn't completely in vain beyond her just living and having this great son. 
Yes, I agree with you completely. That was definitely a motivating factor. Originally, I wrote this story for my grandson, uh, just so he would know his mom. And then when she was cured, he and his mom got, uh, excuse me, <laughs> my daughter and I sat down and took my, took all the notes that I had taken. And I took, um, I took notes on a daily basis with this um, uh, document that I was writing for Caden. And we put it into a form uh, just for Caden because we wanted to go ahead and clean it up. And, and it was, it took us about a year to go ahead and put that together. She would help me gather up the facts and put things in a logical order. And her memory was really good about dates and times and things like that. And then I would write. And over a year's period of time, we got together most days. And it was a really, it was really a loving event. And uh, we cried most days, and there was so much that we didn't know that the other person was feeling or did or, or thought and things like that. But it was a healing process for us. It was a process in which we dealt with stuff that we had never dealt with, and we were able to go ahead and talk about things. And it was really a wonderful experience. When we got done with that, then we shared the, we shared the story with um, uh, a few people, and we kept hearing you need to go ahead and get this out to the public. This could help other people. Her oncologist at the Mayo Clinic had said, went once since she was cured, he says, you guys need to share the story because that's the one thing that my patients all have in common. They never have enough hope. They're always searching for hope. They need hope in their life. And her story can go ahead and provide that. So with that, uh, we decided to go ahead and uh, maybe try to share it with the public. So that turned, I turned around, then I need to go ahead and take this out of a, um, uh, out of the form that was in and just speaking to my grandson and to go ahead and rewrite it in a different way. And um, that whole purpose for that was then to go ahead and try and provoke, you know, try and share her story so other people could learn from it. And maybe it would provide hope to other people. And you're right. I don't know how this book is going to go. I don't know how popular it's going to be, but my plan is, I heard my belief is that I truly believe that it will help some people. And it doesn't just have to be a medical crisis because this is, this story is not about disease at all. This is about having a crisis and then parenting through it really. And um, it, we were fortunate, the love that we had and how much, how much stronger love do you have other than the love that you get from a spouse or the love that you get from parents and children. I mean, that family unit is so important. And we knew that if we could share this story, that it would provide some hope to other people that they can overcome this also. And so that became uh, something important. And then I got into the whole mess. I know that you're an author, the whole mess of uh, not only writing something uh, that I hadn't really done before, you know, professionally or, or to make it available to the public, but also the whole thing about finding an agent and, a, and a, somebody to publish it and all that type of thing. It's a, kind of a grueling ordeal. And I see it all as a great story of deep love. Don't take anything for granted. And at a fundamental level, regardless of your faith, give thanks to God, source, higher power for everything. Give thanks for everything all the time and see the preciousness in our lives that's right in front of us. We just have to see it. I agree with you. And the simple things sometimes are most important. We, you know, the, the things like being able to go ahead and just take one day at a time and to take baby steps forward. 
the things of, you know, focusing on what was in our control. That was a huge thing. You know, we kept uh, talking about these different things that we could do or we should do and whatever. And so many things were out of our control. This disease was out of our control. We just need to try to get the experts and have the belief that we were going to overcome it. But uh, once we made some small little changes like that, they were very, very helpful. And they gave us new, renewed strength to go ahead and keep moving forward. But yeah, I think the story has a lot to give. My grandson um, was afraid to read the story for a long time. And in fact, he's just read it in the last six months. Um, and he got over that because my daughter read it to him. And so just like my wife, or excuse me, my daughter and I had gone through this and worked together through it and talking about it, she read the story to my grandson, Caden, and he, she filled in the backstory and the other things that maybe weren't in the book and such, but they found it a very, very strong bonding experience. And uh, his, uh, he talked about the importance, you know, when I asked him, you know, what did you learn from it? What, did, what were your favorite parts? And um, some of it was the life lessons that I put out there from a grand grandfather to his grandson. And he really liked some of those, the, the importance of, like as an example, the importance of something happening to you and not letting that define you. Uh, the way you dealt with it was really way that you, it defines you that much more than what happens to you. And I don't think I was very eloquent in saying that, but I think you know what I mean. And uh, he's he practiced that in his life, in his soccer, in his school, and in his relationships with other people. He really does uh, focus on positive and that type of thing. But um, the story has been so important to our family. I just hope that it, it's it's helpful to other people too. And it's important to believe, you know, believe in yourself, believe in something beyond yourself helping, and um, and keep moving forward. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.